thank you ladies for that song. Isaiah chapter 6 is where we'll find ourselves this morning in the Word of God. And I've been praying about this and the message this morning, and this is where I feel God has led us. I'm going to try this. If you were in Sunday school this morning, you know that I tried this this morning and it didn't work out. I told you about my ability to disrupt electronics whenever I walk in. I think it's my magnetic personality, personally. Uh, But it just, I destroy cash registers, computer systems, whatever. When I go to a store, they always have problems. And this was malfunctioning this morning, so we'll try it. It's on now, and we'll see how it works. I don't know. It goes in and out. Are we there yet? Well, all right. I have a handheld here. I don't want to use it. I really don't. But if I have to, I'll go to that uh, just to, uh, to do that. If nothing else, while preacher's gone, I'll order a new lapel system with a little ear thing and tell them it all went broke and this is all they had. And, uh, oh, we need to not record that part. That would not work out well. Isaiah chapter 6 is where we'll find ourselves this morning. And uh, appreciate that song, God is in control of everything. And we look here, and uh, starting in verse number 1, uh, we read the scripture, and the Bible tells us, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain uh, he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Let's pray. Father. We just come to you this morning, dear Lord, and we thank you so much for your word and the peace and the the security and the satisfaction that we can get from being in your word. And, And Lord, I pray that we can find a sense of peace and security from being in your house this morning. And Father, we just pray that you would bless these next few moments as we look at some scripture, some thoughts, that it would be a blessing and encouragement to your people. Uh, in these times, and we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I was looking at this passage of Scripture, and and what did it cut out? Okay, I'll switch to the handheld, and I'll feel like I'm big time and and whatnot, and be like the big evangelists that that only use handhelds. I'm not making fun of anybody, I'm just saying, I always notice all the big time evangelists use handhelds, and uh, I don't know why, but it seems to work. So, uh, anyhow, if I get a call this week asking me to come preach somewhere, it's because of this handheld mic. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> a 
But in this scripture, we find Isaiah. And uh, it's interesting, if you go back to Second Chronicles chapter 26, you find out a lot about this king that has died here, Uzziah. He's also known as Amaziah. That's another name. Uh, there'd be different names, uh, same person, different name. Uh, it's like we have nicknames. Uh, you know, um, I, for whatever reason, I, when I worked at the State Patrol, I had, I had like half a dozen nicknames. It just depended on who was talking to me. And I had to respond to all of them. But we find that Uzziah was this king in St. Chronicles chapter 26, and he was a good king. He was a godly king. He was a smart king. He invented many cunning devices, it said, uh, that would, would shoot, uh, I, I think it's like a trebuchet that would shoot the rocks, and, and he would have these big uh, uh, crossbow-looking things that would shoot large arrows, and he secured the borders of Israel, and he was, he was a good king in Israel, a godly king, a great king, a king that, that took time to do what was right. But he died. He died, as we all will. Uh, it is appointed a man once to die, the Bible says. And unless the rapture happens, which as preacher says, I'm praying for more and more every day. But he died. And we find Isaiah at this time of great consternation and, and, and turmoil in his life because now they're transitioning from one king to another. Who knows what tomorrow holds for this new king because you would have a good king and a bad king, a good king, two bad kings, then another good king. And so Isaiah has been made a prophet during this time. And here we find him in the house of the Lord. And he says, in the year the king Uzziah died, he's in turmoil. He, he's, he's in distress. There is some things going on in his life that he cannot control. What did he have to do? He had to accept his present situation. He had to accept it. You see, as, as we've gone through these last few days and these things, you know, folks, there's nothing that we can do other than accept what God has put into our life. We have to. Can we control anything really going on in our nation at this point in time? No. We can only control our reaction to it. And I, I tell my kids that all the time. You, you can't control the actions of others, but you can control your reaction to their actions. And I want to give you something this morning to encourage you, to help you to react in these times the way a Christian should react. Why? Because we're different. That verse that Brother Johnson referenced in his prayer this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 6, he said, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on my hands. He says, remember what's in you. Remember what you have inside of you. He says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that word sound there, that's an, uh, an, an adjective that's describing the word mind, which is the noun of that sentence. And that word sound there means entire, unbroken, not shaky, not split, not defective, undecayed, whole, perfect, as a sound fruit or a sound apple, unbroken, not bruised or defective, not lacerated, decayed. How do you do that? By controlling what goes in. 
We have to accept the present, but know that we can control what we allow in our mind to control the fear that we would have. You know, a bodybuilder that wants to be of sound body and sound, you know what they don't eat? Twinkies. Twinkies be good from now until forever. In the book of Revelation, there'll be a thing of Twinkies sitting on a shelf that even the, the beast can't destroy because they're indestructible. But why don't you put those in your, in your body if you're wanting to, to be a bodybuilder? Because they destroy the soundness of who you are. The pastor just texted me this morning. He said, uh, he said encourage the saints, and, and this is already in my message, uh, so unless he's peeking over my shoulder or something, I don't know. He said, encourage the saints to be careful of what they're listening to. Because a lot of things are promoted. And, and I'm not saying you don't be careful. I'm being careful. I'm not shaking hands. I'm, I'm bumping elbows. Uh, you know, I, it, it, it's being prudent. But be careful what we put in up here because it will get to here and it will, it will discourage us. And create an unsoundness in us that God says you shouldn't have because of what I've already put in you. Greater is he, the Bible says, that is in me than he that is in the world. We got to understand, Isaiah, he says he, 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 was, he saw the Lord. And that's where we need to look today, is to God. Accept the present. Why? Because there's absolutely no way that we can change what's going on. We can pray. We can seek God's face. We can be careful ourselves. But there's no way that we can change it. It's the hand of God. Consider Job. There was nothing he could do to change what was going on in his life. He just had to accept it and do what? Not sin against God. And so I want to encourage you this morning to accept the present. Accept the president. Or, and <laughs> I had this, I had, that's funny. I had this conversation with somebody this morning. I might not like everything. I, I really, honestly, I don't think I like everything about anybody. I mean, even myself. But I might not like everything about our current administration, but there are a few things I appreciate. The willingness to stand up for life. The willingness to stand up for Israel, because I, I believe that's, if it's important to God, it ought to be important to us. And I might, I might not like what comes out of his mouth half the time. I might not like what his hairdo. I might, I might not like a lot of things. But there are things I appreciate and things that I can stand behind because I believe they please God. And uh, you say, well, how can I? God can use whomever he wants <laughs> to do whatever he wants because the Bible says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He turneth it whithersoever he will. And it might be the most cumbersome vessel, <laughs> but it's the vessel God's given us. So accept the present. Because you cannot change it. I, as I was thinking about this, I thought about Daniel. I thought about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and those uh, Hebrew children there that were taken captive. Certainly a situation that was not wonderful. 
but it was the situation in which they found themselves. And it was the situation in which they accepted. And what did Daniel do? He purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself with the king's meat. He said, I'm going to be sound wherever I am because I'm going to control what I allow in to me. Those three Hebrew children, as they stood there confronted with the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had raised and said, worship, and they said, we're not careful to answer thee, O king. And what, what did they say over in Daniel chapter 3? They said, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of uh, your, thine hand. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. People say, well, how? I'm just going to trust God that he's doing what he wants to do. Why? Because he's God. And so here we find in Isaiah chapter 6 that he is in turmoil. There's, there's transition in his life. There are things going on. And yet in that year that this was happening, he said, I saw also the Lord. I thought that was an interesting phrase that he had included in there under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I saw also the Lord. That shows me something of a vision that is varied. And, and while we have to accept the present, we still have to attend to our earthly affairs. Where was he? He was in the house of God. He was doing what he should do, worshiping God. He said, I was in the house of the Lord, and God spoke to me. And I understand, and I'm not getting on it. There are people that have to stay away for health. There are people that, that, that might be just pure out scared. And, and, and the best thing to do is pray. There are some that are sick, and so they're staying away just to be prudent and, and to be respectful of everyone else. But there are some that are not here this morning just because this was another excuse to not be here this morning. It was available. But what did he do? He still attended to his earthly affairs. He said, I know what's right, and I know what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it. The Bible tells us to them that know to do good and do it not, to them it is sin. And so unless it is expressly forbidden or, or, or passed down from God that we should not do something, and if he says it is good to do something, then we should do it. And, and you know, as Pastor and I were talking uh, this week and the governor handed down, you know, nobody gathering in groups of 250 or more, we said, we're good to go. <laughs> we... Aren't you glad you're not a member of a mega church? I mean, you'd be sitting at home in your pajamas eating chips watching the service online or whatever. But instead, you get to be here with us where you can feel the presence of God. And, and, and so we're trying to be prudent. We're trying to be uh, sound-minded about this thing, but we're still going to do what God has called us to do. What does he tell Isaiah there? He says, hey, I need somebody to go. What Isaiah said... Here am I. And he said, go. We, we can't forget that as we are living in the present days, the present situations, and I will tell you, it's just going to get worse in the next few years as we get into the last days. I was talking to Miss Brown yesterday morning as we were driving to the airport, and she said, it, you know, people have no idea. I said, yeah, there's no scorpions with lion faces running around. I mean, be thankful for that. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> I can. <laughs> But we still have to attend to our earthly affairs. 
Isaiah here, he's, he's in turmoil. He's in uh, all these things going on as this good, godly king died. But God still had something for him to do. We, we can't allow ourselves to get so burdened down that we forget that God still has something for us to do. For him. For him. In Luke chapter 19, uh, this is the, the parable of the, the master that goes away. He says, and he called his ten servants, delivered them ten pounds, and sent them, occupy till I come. And that occupy means to carry on as business as usual. He said, you keep doing what I've told you to do until I come back to take back what I've given you. As far as I'm aware, because I'm still here, the rapture has not happened yet. So <laughs> if y'all were still here and I wasn't here, then you might be a little scared. But God told us to occupy. Continue doing what you are to do until I let you know it's no longer what you're supposed to do. And so we, as I've mentioned, we're just trying to be prudent, but God wants us to attend to earthly affairs. In the book of Esther, we all know this. Mordecai is talking to Esther and he says, Who knoweth whether thou art come to a kingdom for such a time as this? You have answers to other people's questions that they need to hear that God is still on the throne and he's still in control. I won't get an opportunity to talk to the people you'll talk to. I, I won't be able to see the, the folks that you might come in contact with at work. I, I won't be able to see those that, that you'll come into contact with that you live next door to. Uh, but people are questioning what is going on. And while we might not have the answer about this specific situation, we know the overall picture. And so we need to attend to earthly affairs and let people see that, hey, we, we're not given to a mind of fear. We're not given to an unsound mind, but we're going to attend to that which God has given us. Why? Because in Titus, he says that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Doing what? Looking for that blessed hope. We have a hope that far outweighs anything, any virus, any, any, any tragedy, any tsunami, any earthquake. We have a hope that exceeds any earthly tragedy because it is heavenly based. And so attend to our earthly affairs. And while we do that, act with an eternal outlook. We have everything to live for in the present, but we can do so knowing our future is secured. Paul said, I'm a straight betwixt the two. He said, I want to leave and go to heaven, but I know it's better for me to stay here with you. That's not exactly what he said. That's me saying what he said in, in my way. But we must do everything that we do with the regards that it is an action that is reverberating throughout heaven. Because everything we do has a heavenly string attached to it, so to speak. Why? Because God told us that everything that we do, one day we'll stand before him and answer for it. And so everything that we do needs to be done with an, uh, an eternal outlook, looking for that blessed hope, he tells us, and that glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And then uh, in um, 
Philippians chapter 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He doesn't say rejoice in the Lord unless there is a pandemic. Rejoice in the Lord if there's no uh, earthquake or rejoice in the Lord if there's no tornado or rejoice in the Lord if your house isn't one that gets destroyed. He just says rejoice in the Lord always. You know whose responsibility it is to rejoice in the Lord always? Ours, as Christians. And this goes back to the, 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 the we don't have uh, a mind set on fear, but a sound mind is we're not going to act when we forget what's coming down the road beyond this. We will get fearful. But if we remember what's on the other side, that there's a land where there will be no more sickness, there will be no more dying, and that I have a title to a mansion in God's house. And, and, and that I have a crown waiting for me. And that I, we, we have to remember all that we have set before us. What does the Bible say about Jesus Christ? It says, who for the joy that was set before him did what? Endured the cross. Despising the shame. He said, I know what's coming up. And so I can deal with the present. Because of the joy that's going to be later on. And so while we live in certainly troublesome times and, 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 and there's this pandemic that is sweeping uh, the, the world and then coming to our nation and to our shores and to our town and our city, our, our county, I mean, hey, we know that God has his hand upon it and that we can be secure in today because he secures tomorrow and know that everything we do has an eternal outlook to it. First Thessalonians chapter 5, I believe we have some responsibilities as Christians. It says in verse number 16, rejoice evermore. So he starts out with that. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He said, let me give you something here that, that for those of you that, and now this is not me talking, this is in Philippians, so, or in uh, 1 Thessalonians, so this is Paul talking. He says, let me help you all that don't know the will of God. This is the will of God, that you rejoice and that you pray. So what should we do? Rejoice in the fact that God is with us and pray for the situation, the times in which we live. Why? Because it's the will of God. You know, I talk to people who say, well, I just don't know the will of God for my life. Well, here you go. Here's two things. Pray without ceasing and rejoice. There's the will of God right there for every one of our lives. You say, well, I want to know the bigger will of God. Do those two and God just might give you a glimpse of what he wants you to do. If we can't do those two, why would he give us something bigger to do? That wasn't in my notes. I don't know where that came from. Romans chapter 15. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope through the power of of the Holy Ghost. Just understand that everything we do has an eternal value to it. And every decision we make, if we go to the store and we get into a fight with somebody over the last carton of toilet paper or the last thing of hand sanitizer, we have just sullied the testimony of Jesus Christ. We, we have just made an eternal decision based on an earthly action. And so you say, well, you know, Pastor, how, how do we survive? We, we trust in God. 
We trusted in God before this. We trust in God during this. And guess what? Tomorrow we'll trust in God for tomorrow. He says our life is as a vapor. It's here for a moment and it vanisheth away. We're, we, we know that we have a secured future, but we're not even promised tomorrow. You say, that doesn't make sense. And we know that we have eternity held in the hand of God. But we know that our present is in the hand of God. But he might decide that tomorrow is when our eternity starts. But we can be secure in that because it is in God's hand. And then the fourth thing that I saw here is acknowledge the sovereignty of God in all our situations. Look at me in Isaiah chapter 6. He said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord doing what? Sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And then he goes on down through there, and in verse number 3 it says, And they cried, one, uh, uh, cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And what does this say? The whole earth is full of of his glory. Where you are sitting right now, according to this scripture, is full of the glory of God. Where I'm standing, it says the whole earth is full. His glory is here. We might not be able to see it. We, not, we might not be able to feel it. We might, but it is there. Why? Because he said so. And so we can understand that God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. God is all. He, he, there is nothing that has caught him off guard about where we find ourselves today and where our nation finds itself today and where our world finds itself today. God was not uh, caught off guard by, uh, by this uh, coronavirus to say, that. oh no, what, what am I going to do? These poor people. He is sovereign. You say, why would he allow this? Well, let me give you a verse that, that brings me peace uh, when I think of these things in Isaiah chapter 55. It says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Then verse number eight is a verse that we know quite a bit, but we don't normally read those other verses. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We think about different tragic situations that our nation has gone through in the past. We think of 9-11. We think of uh, World War II. We, th- we think of all these things. And what did they do? What did they serve to do to turn people to God? To turn people to God. And you say, well, that, that's not... We, we just learned in Sunday school this morning in the book of Ezekiel that, that God will be glorified. And he expects us as his people to glorify him. And he wants the heathen to glorify them. And he will work in whatever way is necessary to do what? To bring glory to him. And in these verses here in Isaiah, he's, he's talking to the unrighteous and he's saying, turn to me. And then he goes in and he says, because my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. They're higher See, and that is why we need to act with an eternal outlook because we don't understand what God is doing today might change someone's eternity tomorrow. And it might be done because of how we reacted in these tragic situations. 
This is just the current situation. But if you look back over history, it might not be a virus, but it might be a terrorist attack. It might be uh, someone going into a church with a gun. It, it, it might be this, it might be that. But there is tragedy that happens on a fairly regular basis. Not just throughout the world, but in our nation. And we have to remember that God is still upon the throne. That throne that Isaiah had a vision of, guess what? It's still there. That was the title of my message today. When I put it in, I said, he's still there, exclamation mark. Why? Because he's still there. And he is still sitting upon the throne, and he still views the affairs of man. He still has his hand in everything that goes on. He allows Satan to do what he is allowed to do. I still think about the message we heard uh, over in the book of Job and how, you know, it, God is talking to him and saying, Hast thou considered my servant Job that he's perfect and upright and one that escheweth evil? And, and Satan says, Well, yeah, you've placed a hedge about him. He says, Everything that he has is in your hand except for his life. What does that show us? Everything we have doesn't belong to us, it belongs to God. And God has the ability to give it and take it. What did Job do? Job realized that. He said, Naked came out of this womb, naked I will return. Then he goes on later and says, though he slay me, yet what? Will I trust in him? He had no control over his circumstances. But he had to just keep doing what he knew was right. Knowing that there was an eternal outlook available to him that he had to keep his mind on. And all this is said what? That Job did not sin against God. And what did he do? He kept in mind that God is sovereign. That God's in control. And that God loves us even when we don't think we're getting lovely things. Does a parent always give their child everything they want and everything they, they ask for? and everything? No. They shouldn't. <laughs> Sometimes we have to give them things that they don't like. Why? To help them grow. To help them mature. To help them become more than what they currently are. God's put us in this situation today. So that we can be a light to the world. Of how you react to things that are out of your control. But at the same time to be able to use it. To grow us. And to grow our faith. Is it faith if we don't have to trust God? Is it faith if we don't have to rely on God? And so he says, I, I, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of, a sound, of love and of a sound mind. What is that? He's wanting us to control what we put in so that we can control what we put out. And if we don't do that, then we will fail at the mission that God has given us to be a light for him in dark, Dark times, which is where we live. I got a, uh, a poem here I want to read, and then, and then we'll be done. It's by a young woman named Ann Steele, and she encountered one trial and disappointment after another. She's actually one of the most well-known. I did not know this, <laughs> and I'm a Baptist. She's one of the most well-known Baptist hymn writers. Uh, of all time. When she was three, her mother died. 
When she was 19, she suffered a severe uh, hip injury that left her as an invalid. She fell in love, was engaged to be married, and the day before her wedding, her fiancé drowned. I'd say she's got some rough things going on. But Anne still penned this hymn sometime later. And she wrote this, When I survey life's varied scene amid the darkest hours, sweet rays of comfort shine between, and thorns are mixed with flowers. Lord, teach me to adore thy hand from whence my comforts flow, and let me in this desert land a glimpse of Canaan know. Is health and ease my happy share? O may I bless my God. Thy kindness let my songs declare and spread thy praise abroad. While such delightful gifts as these are kindly dealt to me, be all my hours of health and ease devoted, Lord, to thee. In griefs and pains thy sacred word, dear solace of my soul. Celestial comforts can't afford and all their power control. When present sufferings pain my heart or future terrors rise and light and hope almost depart from these dejected eyes. Thy powerful word supports my hope, sweet cordial of the mind, and bears my fainting spirit up and bids me wait, resigned. And o'er what air of earthly bliss thy sovereign hand denies, accepted at thy throne of grace, let this petition rise. Give me a calm and thankful heart from every murmur free. Thy blessings of thy grace impart and let me live to thee. Let the sweet hope that thou art mine, my path of life attend. Thy presence, though my journey shined, and bless its happy end. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 39 tells us this. Know therefore this day, and consider it in thine heart, that the Lord, he is God in heaven above, and upon earth beneath, there is none else beside. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he was in control then, and he's in control now. And he's still there. And he ain't going nowhere. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you.